Amen. Oh, Dwayne, I think there's a button to press on that. Ah, let there be light. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Hello to people who have been here and people who have not been here before today and to people watching online. That is, that is very special. There's a few special people in my family watching online or online at some point. Uh, one of them is my brother, my twin brother, my identical twin brother who is deployed overseas with the Air Force um, in the Middle East. And so I'm gonna be selfish and ask us to collectively say thank you to him for his service to our country. Can we do that? One, two, three, thank you. That is very special, and I am very obliged. Thank you. I love the songs we sang. And, uh, I mean, they were amazing songs, but just thinking of the words of some of these, your goodness is running after me. Psalm 23. This might happen a few times. <laughs> Psalm 23 says... Your goodness and mercy, surely your goodness and mercy, will follow me all the days of my life. The word follow there means to hunt. We're hunted by his goodness and mercy. Hunters know a few things about how to find and how to target and when to act, and how to be effective. That's amazing stuff. And another one, you sent the darkness running out of an empty grave. To my knowledge, there was at least at one point a Jewish custom of when you ate at someone's house and you didn't love the meal, and you weren't super happy about your time there. When you were done, you folded your napkin. And it was a quiet gesture, but it was direct to the person. It was directly received by that person. When Jesus' tomb was found open, his clothes had been folded. He had tasted death, and he wasn't coming back. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, you are good. And you are good to be among us. And you're faithful. I thank you for the work that you've already been doing before this moment. And what you have planned to do today since the beginning of time. We bless you, and we bless your voice. In the name of Jesus, amen. Before I really begin, thank you, babe. I have a quick don't try this at home story that also involves a miracle. 
I was leaving church one Sunday with Carly and the kids, uh, probably to go to my parents' house in Percival because of what happened next. We got on the Greenway to take a shortcut to Route 7, and as soon as we picked up speed on the Greenway, we heard, and I mean we all heard, a couple really loud thumps on the roof, and then some papers out the rear window, and then some more papers. I had a hardcover Bible at the time, and that was it. <laughs> and I was in shock and kept driving. And my amazing wife, after a few seconds of shock herself, goes, you should probably get that. <laughs> so I pulled over, and there was no one on the road. No one. Mid-afternoon on Sunday. So there's the miracle. The Bible did survive. <laughs> yes. Read with, it was surreal. Read with me, if you would, from Matthew 28. Not many verses, we're going to start in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the resurrected Jesus talking to his disciples. We'll find truth in here that will change you and challenge you as it has me. What we just read is the Great Commission. Jesus completes it with a promise of security that has power to change our lives. He focuses on the presence of God and his necessity with relation to our callings. His instead of its, because his presence is revealed to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. The very presence of God. Some of this will sound familiar at points to Dwayne's message from last week, which he prepared separately from my preparation for this. Same spirit. The title is I Am With You. We'll address that in a few moments. I'll piggyback on his words by saying this. The callings that we are each uniquely given are facilitated most effectively by pursuing and engaging God's presence. The disciples needed it. Jesus needed it. As in Philippians 2.6, he laid down his divine abilities to allow the Holy Spirit full access to his life. We can get good at giving access, but full access is a different story. The more of his presence we're exposed to, the more in tune with his voice and his nature we will become. Hope and trust become more of our standard response 
to troubling circumstances and to uncertainty and to pain. There's a little bit of that going around these days. Supernatural healing becomes more natural. And perspective and strategies come easier and even become part of our normal thought process. Because that's a part, that's a picture of the normal Christian life. Not the typical Christian life. God's design for the normal Christian life. The term Christian just means little Christ. That term refers to someone who endeavors to live daily, hourly, in the ways that Jesus lived on earth, with full dependency on his Father's voice and on his Father's thoughts and on his Father's company. And not just on the company with him that we'll enjoy after this life. A.W. Tozer said salvation is not just about going to heaven. Have I ruffled any feathers yet? He goes on to say, certainly our destination is heaven. But our salvation has afforded us a relationship with God that is personal and intimate right now. Right now. This is a gift to us and a challenge to our mindsets. A quick story. I met, I met with a man who was struggling to see himself the way the word says that God sees him. I invited him to peacefully and normally ask God, how do you see me? It's easy for us to feel like we have to focus really hard or to do that a special way. There isn't a special way. There isn't a special voice you have to learn or a spell to chant. It's just talking. So he did. He asked normally. And he was very focused. But then his countenance changed and he relaxed. And he started laughing. And he said, a son, a son, a son, a son. He couldn't get over it. God had responded through his spirit and touched his son, small s, at a heart level and confirmed something of his identity. And that took a minute of engaging God's presence in mind. Imagine with me what he can do in 10 minutes, or 30, or an hour, or your day. It can even just be while you're doing normal things. He was eating lunch. A few weeks ago, Clayton shared why pursuing more of the reality of God in our lives is a challenge to our mindsets. 
I'll paraphrase him. And I'll say we can have a tendency to be complacent with our circumstances and with God's activity in our lives. Once we reach certain breakthroughs, things we've been praying for and trusting him for, they're different for everyone. This is because the new habits and the new thought patterns, which are new spiritual territory that God has for you, usually come with at least, or usually require at least some courage and at least some sacrifice. And those aren't welcoming things. You need courage when you're uncomfortable. And we only need to sacrifice. We're called to sacrifice when we come up against things in our lives that keep us from pursuing and loving and enjoying more of God. Maybe even things we very much like. Another story, I was saved before college, and going into college, I had the privilege of having a roommate that wasn't. Just makes me think of good things. <laughs> I got involved in ministry activities on campus pretty early, and I invited him to lots of events and small group Bible studies. I didn't force him. I didn't judge. I just invited him. And he probably thought I was crazy. And he gave his life to Jesus the next year. We would live together all four years. <laughs> and we never considered anyone else. And one thing we had in common right off the bat was we both loved football. And we would schedule our lives around it when we could. Our senior year, he led a Bible study for underclassmen. And their schedules only let them meet together on Monday night. And many of us are familiar with Monday night football. However, if you have evaded exposure to the NFL, they present a primetime weekly fantastic game every week. They try to get the most viewers so they schedule the most dramatic team matchups, some of the best teams. And that was the only day that they could meet. He didn't blink. He knew it was necessary. And I thought he was crazy. <laughs> he knew that without that sacrifice, he was, an up, he was up against an obstacle that would prevent those students from fellowship and growth. Our sacrifices do not always just affect us. Maybe there's something that God is or has been pointing to in your life to lay down so that someone else can flourish. Because they did flourish. As God draws us, we can ignore or we can respond. And as we respond, he draws us further into both personal revelation and corporate revelation of who he is. You don't get to know a friend all at once. Nor do you get to know about them simply by reading about them. 
You have to get to know them first. There's a reason you have to get to know them. And there's more than one way to do it. This speaks of a process and an experience. I'll call it an encounter. This process and the accompanying experiences are meant to continue throughout our lifetime because you will never exhaust him. You will never exhaust his love or his abilities or his resources or his grace or his time. The life of a disciple, a student, was to follow their rabbi not at any time they wished or on a certain schedule, but at all times. They became known for their association with him and his effect on them. Being present with Jesus changed not only their habits, but their composure. Acts 4.13, you don't have to turn there, says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Choosing to be present with the Son of the living God changed them into what no one expected them to become, including themselves. Has someone shared a prophetic word with you about how God sees you or about what they feel that you're called to? And your answer to them was, no way, not me. I propose the disciples felt the same way before Jesus called them to join him. They were first called by him and they chose to pursue him. They loved him because he first loved them. You see, your calling requires you, but it's not even really about you because it started with him. It's about pursuing him as he draws you closer to himself and leads you into new territory. This pursuit comes with a tour guide and an investor. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus gave a promise to his disciples to cap off the Great Commission. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Some translations say the consummation of the world. He starts with I am with you. The word with in Greek is meta. Someone can correct my pronunciation on that later. It denotes proximity and physical participation. And it goes on to mean to be with his followers through his divine aid. The resurrected Jesus said this, and that's important because he made that promise from that state, having already defeated death. Family, anyone can say they'll be with you. No one but him said it in a resurrected body. 
I want the Jesus who's defeated death already to be present with me. That means the resurrection power of God is at work in me and through me, in my mind and body. And he is here throughout this room right now. With that in mind, I propose the end of this phrase, to the end of the age, sounded not confusing but profound to the disciples. God's words sometimes have a way of ending up in one of those two categories, and it's up to us to sort them out and to yield to God's voice when he wants to re-sort them for us. They wouldn't live long enough to see the end of the age, and yet he said he'd be with them that long. His words were directed not just to them, but to the next generation of disciples who they themselves would teach and train and walk with as his spiritual lineage. His words were calling out their destiny. His words have a way of doing that, too. He was addressing them and the future generations of the church. You are the future generations of the church. You are their living legacy. You are the disciple, the rabbinical student that he promised to participate with physically. This takes the pressure off of us to perform and to be a good Christian, a good Christian, to cause physical healing in ourselves and other people and to change our own minds through willpower. The pressure is on the resurrected Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to fulfill his promises. We could not ask for a better situation. The deck is stacked in our favor because the one who calls us and draws us and empowers us and redeemed us owns the deck, the very spirit of the almighty God, the pressure's on him, and you want it on him. Our end of this deal is to trust. Numbers 23, 19 says God is not a man that he should lie. Not a human being, that he should change his mind. Some translations say to repent, that means the same thing. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Some of you right now are being reminded of ways that he has fulfilled promises for you. And some of those promises were fulfilled out of situations that seemed impossible. We've been there. Man, he's been faithful. Let whatever you're, let whatever you're being reminded of right now, of his past faithfulness, fuel you 
onto the next fulfilled promise. Amen. Amen. His works and his goodness are never meant to be one-time experiences. They are meant to be reminders and motivation, not just memorials. God has wanted to be with us to such a degree that he literally would not take his presence away from us for one second, even at Jesus' death. If you'll indulge me, there's some quick history to talk about here. God relates to his people based on the covenant that he establishes with them. Under the covenant, under the old covenant, established at his, uh, before his death, only one person in the temple, in the community, was allowed to go beyond the thick, strong, tall carpet that hung and veiled God's presence from his people. The space beyond was the Holy of Holies, and that man, the high priest, could only go beyond that one day a year on the Day of Atonement for Sins in the Hebrew calendar. Brett Ridley of Mission Church in Utah and Display the Gospel Ministries says, if access to the presence of God was limited to one high priest once per year, it certainly doesn't sound like God with us, does it? But if the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, then access to the presence of God is now available for anyone and everyone who draws near in repentance and faith in Jesus. And that unlimited access to God the Father is now a tangible reality. Tangible. Hallelujah. The word used for the veil tearing is the same word used for the heaven's opening at Jesus' baptism. The veil and the heavens were ripped violently so that God could institute something new. Things do not happen that way passively. Under the new covenant established at Jesus' death, the loss of that separation, that veil, meant that God's presence was with us again. Because people had once walked with God with no barriers to intimacy, no shame, just to enjoy him. This had been, hadn't been possible since Adam and Eve experienced it. And since his presence was no longer hosted, so to speak, in the body of Jesus, It was free to pursue you and to be pursued by you without rules or a calendar or a procedure. Seeing this situation clearly is essential to our lives as new creations. A.W. Tozer also said, ransomed men need no longer pause in fear to enter the Holy of Holies. God wills 
that we should push on into his presence and live our whole life there. This is to be known to us in conscious experience. In other words, not just in dreams or in death. It is more than a doctrine to be held. It is a life to be enjoyed every moment of every day. End quote. The gospel doesn't end with Jesus buying our access to heaven. I grew up believing that. It begins with it. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection fulfilled one covenant and started a new one that transforms us in this life. What are some things to help us get into or encounter God's presence? I just have some things that are helpful for me and some other people. One of them is play or sing worship music or just have worship on. I find that when I have worship playing, my mind can wander instead of focusing on the lyrics. But the things it wanders toward are the things I'm trusting that he's put on my mind. Things like my family, my marriage, other people, situations I'm not thinking that much about. Things about him and his goodness. It can also help us remember our position in Christ. Excuse me. Conversely, we begin to come out of his presence when we focus more on our situation than on our position in him. Another one is pray and wait. Our prayers don't have to take a long time. Sometimes it's just a phrase or a word. When we are quiet, it's easier to hear someone else speak. They also have the freedom to respond when we've taken a break from speaking to them. This is one reason why we have silent moments before God in worship, in our corporate worship. It gives us all a chance to work out what we feel like he might be saying to us as individuals and as a church body. Another one is speak in tongues. I find this one especially helpful because of its inherent supernatural nature. Our prayers in tongues are like spiritual surgical tools. They affect things in the spirit realm so they can be changed in the natural realm in our bodies, in our situations, in our whole environments. Another one is recognize obstacles. Be open and responsive to God leading you to let go of things that get in the way of pursuing him with your mind. That takes practice. And talk about what he's done. 
This helps people to get in the frame of mind of thankfulness and expectation, and it increases awareness of who he is. My wife and I have the privilege of leading a life group at our home, along with the Hesses, and we love to share testimonies. You might know that about me already. It's giving him credit for what he's done, and it opens up opportunities for him to do the same thing again. The resurrection power that enabled and produced one miracle is present for the next one. It's available for the next one when you share about it. The word testimony means do it again, which is incredible. We have multiple testimonies every time we meet. And we start with testimonies. We don't wait for them to happen. They do happen afterwards, too. We've had multiple every time we meet, and we've met almost every week for six years. Our heart for the group is for people to see and experience the reality of God's word and to experiment with taking him at his word in a safe space because we're all in it together. I'm going to land this. Jesus' promise to be with us in black and white is maybe what some of us need to get over the hump of doubt. That the presence of God is something for us all to experience and to experience often. Or maybe for others, it's the icing on the cake that lines up with experiences you've already had. I mentioned about the life group we host. I'm not trying to advertise it. I will let you find out on your own that we meet in Ashburn on Wednesday nights. He asked. We often practice hearing from God and waiting in his presence. It takes practice. As I've said before, our lives in this area aren't naturally conducive to quieting ourselves before him. At one of the meetings with this group recently, we could see that a young lady was being touched at a heart level by God as she sat in his presence. I asked her to try to articulate what her experience was like because it could have helped other people in the room. She said she felt a sort of weightlessness. We brought up a verse of scripture that related directly to it. Matthew 11:30. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Her response. Whoa. It's because it was real. Her experience was real, and her response to being clued in to the reality of God's word was just as real. God is not a man that he should lie. He is faithful to do what he says he'll do. And to be who he says he is for you. Now we can ignore 
or we can respond. If you felt some of this drawing you or resonating with you, let's respond. You're not responding to me. This isn't going to hurt or help my feelings. This is an audience of one. If you would like to feel or begin to feel or increase the habit or increase your awareness of God's presence, if today's the first time or today's the millionth time, I would love to pray for you. If that's you, can you stand? Just close your eyes, just get comfortable. Holy Spirit, I thank you that we don't need words. I thank you for the vulnerability and honesty and courage in this room. There's no need to rush. Father, come be yourself with your people. Come and speak. Come and change us. Rest on us. If you feel him speaking to you or if you have just, you know, an impression or something or if you have noticed your thoughts changing or your body relaxing or even if your heart is pounding, just say thank you. In the name of Jesus, I declare in the spirit realm that today begins new things. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, everybody. You can sit.
I trust you were blessed by that, and I'm so happy that he was able to pray for you. And as he was speaking, I just felt to create an opportunity. And if, as he prayed, or even as he spoke and ministered to you, I think you can understand, even if you were 10 rows back, we saw it obviously very clearly from the front row, he was sharing of himself. That he was giving of himself, of his passion, his revelation, and he was sharing his life with you. And that is not an easy thing for anybody to ever really do. But if as he was speaking and, or as he was praying that you just felt in yourself just something responding, and I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to overanalyze it in any way. But just feeling like there was something arising up and just responding to what he was communicating and sharing his life. I, I want to create an opportunity for you to come up here. Uh, and typically, we have a ministry team after the service, and we're, we're going to do it a little bit differently today. And Daniel, by the way, uh, with the music after the service, not too loud, because I want to create uh, some space for Tommy. If you just feel like you want to respond, particularly to what you feel God is doing, showing, revealing, I'm going to have Tommy and Carly as well as Kevin and Katie. Yes, I just told them now. Um, I just want to create an opportunity for them to minister to you. And it's not going to be for any length of time per se, but just I'm going to ask Tommy just to pray for you generally. And if there's personal ministry that is going to be part of it, so be it. But I, I do want to create that opportunity for you. I just think it was something that carries our value as a church. And I'm just so delighted. I was blessed by just to listen to this man share his life. And I've seen his walk from the first day he entered the doors of this church to where he is today. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's the grace of God, but it was. But God is good. So uh, if that's you, love to create an opportunity for you to respond. Uh, it has been a fantastic day, and we trust you are blessed by it. But have a great day. Have a fantastic week. And be well. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Free Life Church. We're glad you've joined us today. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag and learn more about Free Life Church. A member from our Connection team will be there to answer any questions you have. Are you interested in knowing more about Free Life Church? Sign up for our Discovery class coming up next month where you'll learn more about us, our purpose, and find ways to connect, whether it's for a season or a lifetime. Registration is now open. If you would like to be baptized in water, please sign up for our next baptisms happening on September 12th at 2 p.m. after church at the home of Josh and Rachel Deneen. Our next encounter night is on Saturday, September 11th from 6.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. This evening is dedicated to going deeper into praise, prayer, and prophecy. Ladies of FLC, join us in supporting Birthright of Loudoun in their effort to help and care for pregnant women in crisis here in Loudoun County. During the month of September, we will be collecting maternity and baby items. For the specific list, please visit our events page. Kids Place team members, mark your calendars and make plans to attend our upcoming training session, Sunday, September 18th from 1.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon. Childcare will not be provided. 
Ever wonder what's happening on the other side of the wall every Sunday? Kids are having a blast worshiping and learning about God. Want to join the fun? Contact our Director of Children's Ministries, Denise Fry, at kids at freelifechurchva.com. Free Life Church has an app. Keep up with the latest sermons and events, find ways to connect, and have an easy way to give. Available for Android or Apple devices at the respective app stores, or text FLC app to 41400 for a link to download. For more information about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, Free Life Church. We're glad you've joined us today.